You know there's a way for nurses to start a business, but there's so many moving pieces. Cut through the crap. It's time to go right to the source and get real about what's working in business and marketing for nurses with your host, the founder of Nursepreneurs, Katie Harris. Hi, it's Katie Harris, and this is an episode of the Nursepreneurs Podcast. Today we have Wendy Wiggs on with us from PRP Regeneration Specialist. Wendy, thanks so much for being here with us today. Well, thanks for having me. So I'm I'm really excited to talk about this. This is uh, somewhat different than than any podcast that we've had. But before we jump into what you do as a business, give us a little background of you as a nurse. Um, how did you become a nurse, and where are you now? I think my parents pretty much picked my nursing career to help me uh, be self sufficient <laughs> and get out of the house. So they had signed me up for nursing school at our local community college. And uh, so I actually started the prereqs right out of high school. So I never really got that whole, you know, break that some kids get after high school. So then went straight into the prereqs at our local community college and then graduated the with an associate degree of nursing in 1985 at the age of 19. So that was that was great. I went down to Miami. I had a boyfriend down there and I started working at the Miami Heart Institute with 35 patients <laughs> on the evening shift. Uh, we actually had to hang all our own IV antibiotics, pass all our own medications. So, you know, that was a quick introduction into nursing that it was, it was hard work <laughs> and stressful. Uh, so I, I stayed there for a year. I really wanted to get into the ICU, but it wasn't possible at that particular facility. And I was single, so I decided to go live out in Texas where my sister was. And St. Luke's uh, Hospital had agreed to train me as an ICU nurse, which is really what I wanted to do. And that kind of started my ICU career. And I worked as an ICU nurse probably for about six years. But I will tell you, when I came back from Texas, I was sort of burnt out on nursing. And I said, oh, I'm going to I'm going to quit nursing. I'm going to work for my sister on her farm in Florida, horse farm. So I was shoveling manure, making no money. And that made me quickly decide like, oh, maybe I should get back into nursing. It sounds just like nursing, just shoveling manure and making no money. (laughs) At least the horses don't give you a hard time though, right? (laughs) No. So I was like, okay, so maybe that I should go back into it. And um, I took a job in Ocala, Florida, working with a plastic surgeon. Uh, so I think that every career that I had in nursing really helped prepare me for what I do today. You know, those, a lot of the jobs weren't glamorous. They were tough. Then I made it back to Gainesville, Florida, which is where I lived and grew up. And I am right now, uh, which is north central Florida. And uh, I, that's where I got into the ICU at Shands, which is a large teaching hospital and really great experience. And so I would work seven on, seven off which was a fantastic deal, 3 to 11. And then on the weekends, we did 7 to 7. But then you had a whole week off. And I really, you know, as a single person, I was really into riding horses. It was a great, uh, great job. And we all sort of hunkered in together as nurses. And I really enjoyed that part of my career. I got pregnant and I developed really bad uh, contact dermatitis in my hands to the point where they would be bleeding cracked and open, just not a great environment to work in (laughs) ICU. So we uh, basically, they put me down doing medical records review, which was interesting during my pregnancy. So I didn't end up going back to the hospital after that. I left the hospital and I took an outpatient um, 
physician actually starting up a what's called the Mose Skin and Cancer Center here in Gainesville for the University of Florida. I wanted to be part-time with a new baby, but then um, that they just were only hiring full-time. Love that job. I got to be sort of like the nurse manager and startup for the whole clinic, which is a multi-million dollar clinic within a couple of years. And so I think that sort of gave me the background too to how to start up a clinic and how to start a practice and I ordered every instrument and developed all the processes. We did a lot of surgery in the office, removing skin cancers. So I got a lot of good experience there. I loved that job, didn't want to leave, but then my husband's a baseball coach and he was trying to further his career. So that took us to Jacksonville where I became a research nurse and I've got to use my ICU background. We did some swan GANs studies looking at ACE inhibitors, which now today we use a lot uh, to control blood pressure. But I did some of those initial studies looking at pressures in the heart and recruiting. So that's kind of gave me sort of the background for selling in the practice too. I'm telling you this because this is sort of how it, you just don't open a clinic, right? <laughs> you have to have experience and um, I think recruiting patients into studies was really a great way to, um, I don't like to call it selling, but it is, it's recruiting them to do whatever it is that, you know, you're doing. Yeah. So we'll always sell like something. <laughs> yeah. You know, and you have to believe in it, right? Like, you know, these people need this kind of medication to get better. So I did a lot of pharmaceutical studies. We ended up, my husband took a head coaching job in, Winter Haven. And so we moved to Lakeland and then I worked there for about five more years as a research nurse working with one of the top cancer experts in the country, Dr. Renkin. And we did a lot of melanoma studies, breast, lung. And so that, those were all really good experiences for me as well. I, I love that job, but I, I think there was a nurse practitioner there and she really influenced me because, you know, working in the hospital, we our hands are tied. Like we can't order even a Tylenol for a patient without an order. And after 25 years in nursing, I just found like I wanted to be able to help my patients more like I did in the research studies, you know, taking them through and they just trusted you so much with their care and that communication and that bonding that occurs with those study participants, I think is something that really attracted me to that whole nurse practitioner role. And I had a nurse practitioner I worked with and I just sort of idolized her. You know, she would walk around and, you know, act like uh, she was very much in control of everything. You know, the doctor hardly was involved at all. So I really liked that whole aspect. And um, so I decided to go back to school. I had uh, at this point three children <laughs> and uh, they were like maybe eight, five and three all girls. So definitely a challenge to be going back because I, since I did a fast track ADN program, I was missing a lot of prerequisites to get into the nursing program. So USF had a ADN to master's back, I don't know what year that was, but probably like 1995-ish or something like that. Is that right? No, 2005, excuse me. So around that time is when they still were doing that bridge program, didn't require a doctorate at that time. It was a master's in nursing. And um, yeah, so I went through the program. I worked weekend nights at the hospital on the oncology floor because I had to get out of research. I needed something I could just do on the weekends. 
And also I work weekends, nights as the shift supervisor on the oncology floor. And I think that really pushed me to say, you know, this is definitely something I don't want to be doing when I'm in my 50s and 60s, which <laughs> we're, I'm 57 now. So I'm really glad that I sort of, you know, made that decision. I didn't really want to go back to school at that time just for financial reasons and being so busy and overwhelmed. But today I look back on it and it was the best decision I ever made. And so I graduated in 2007 and we ended up moving back to Gainesville. And so I worked uh, basically in um, urology as a nurse practitioner for about six months. And then I just didn't feel like that was a great fit. I mean, I'm still trying to get females into a male dominated area. And so uh, an opening in gynecology opened up. And so I did that for eight years, private practice as a gynecology nurse practitioner. I think the lessons I learned from that job was that, you know, and I still see that today, just because you're a good provider doesn't necessarily mean you're going to be a good business owner. So so I stopped. <laughs> right. So I think that's a lot of misconception that happens is, you know, nurse practitioners say, I'm just going to open up my own clinic. There's a lot that goes into that, you know, and I think, I think that if you don't really realize that going in, um, you're going to make a lot of mistakes, unfortunately, right. it can be really tough. Yeah, Yeah, because there's one thing to know, um, you know, like you said, the expertise, and it's another thing to be able to put all the pieces of the business actually together. And that's where we get a lot of people because they're like, then they say, well, well, now what, where where are all the clients? And I'm like, well, that is actually the hard part. And that's the business is is bringing clients in consistently. (laughs) Putting the business together is one piece of it, but you do that one time, but it's the the marketing and bringing clients in and making sure everybody's happy and managing the team and the operations and all that kind of stuff that I don't think everybody expects. Absolutely. I sort of had a vision when I came out of nurse practitioner school that I really wanted to do more preventative. You know, I think we work a lot task oriented as nurses. We just follow doctor's orders. We don't really have a lot of autonomy. And which I think is unfortunate, you know, and I think there are ways to make nurses more autonomous and happier in their jobs. I know my daughter just left, you know, the hospital scene after, you know, six years and she did some management there too, but she just joined my team, which I'm super excited about. (laughs) They're just working these nurses to death and not appreciating them. And all through COVID, you know, they're paying these travel nurses exorbitant amount of money coming in work, but meanwhile, just paying the regular staff the same and overworking them. And I think that 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 whole system is still broken. It was broken when I worked there and it's still the same, unfortunately. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I I definitely think it's it's gotten worse uh, for the the nurses that are there. Um, But, you know, it was funny because I was talking to a couple of nurses that were nurse managers and we had we were doing I did a simulation for them. So they they it was a leadership simulation and they basically the situation was that they had this budget and they couldn't go over it. So the assistant nurse manager was filling in all this time and stuff. And she's like, well, this is what I do in real life. She's like, I just do my work on the weekends and, you know, after hours. And I'm like, well, that's the problem. (laughs) I'm like, we have to let the system fail. Like I wouldn't do one minute over time for that system anymore. There's no, I did it too. I did, you know, 60, 70 hour weeks and got paid for 40 
And that was my martyr, you know, that was my gift, my donation to the hospital world. But I don't think I did anybody any favors doing that. I just, you know, we're now in the situation where it's expected that you'll just do extra work. You're absolutely right. My daughter just came from that whole environment. She got moved up to a nurse manager position in the ICU. And that's exactly what was happening. She'd go into work during the day and they say, you need to go home. We are short, short four nurses tonight. So you got to come back and work. And so she had no life, mm-hmm. you know, and she was like, this is just, this is not sustainable. And that's right. what you have to remember. It's not sustainable. It's unfortunate. It's unsafe, you know, for the patients. Um, but we're not here to fix that problem. But I just was saying it, it's, it's, it's unfortunate that that's the situation right now. So when did you, let me ask you this, like, um, in, in all of this, were you expecting to, to start a business? Uh, I mean, because you have quite the extended, um, you know, career path here. And it, it it's, you know, fascinating all the things that you went through. But were, did you just uh, like wake up one day and was like, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to start a business? Or where did that even come from? I think it came from sort of the challenge uh, when I was working in the For gynecology, I worked for two female gynecologists. Again, they were not good business owners. And they're excellent at what they do as far as uh, gynecology and surgery. But as far as people management skills and things like that, it was pretty bad. I was told one day that I, I didn't make enough to pay the light bill, you know, and I was dependent on them giving me the business, you know, it wasn't my business. So I wasn't out recruiting people in. So I, you know, I'm like, well, that's not my fault. You can just need to put more people in my schedule. <laughs> Failed to tell you so, that was part of your job. <laughs> yeah, it was just, and then there, and then I, when I decided to leave, you know, they basically were pretty mean to me. I and mean, they were like, you will never, and they only paid me entry level nurse practitioner for eight years. They had this oh, wow. bonus structure that I could never reach. It was like, a carrot that you could just never get because again, I was at the mercy of them giving me the business. And if they didn't give me enough business, I can't meet those quotas. So, um, yeah, I, and she was like, you will never make any more money than you make here. And so that's all I had to hear. Right. I'm one that like, you can't tell me that I'm not going to be able to make more money. And I really just didn't like sitting there punching the clock. I was salaried. And when I'm done, I want to be done. You know, I just didn't like having to sit there for another hour doing whatever. So um, I decided to leave there, which was kind of scary, but my husband was freaking out. I worked part-time for a primary care doctor. So again, you know, that's really good experience. And then the other half of my um, job was I worked for a chiropractor that paid very well. And I was doing knee injections with hyaluronic acid. So that's kind of how I got started doing joint injections was, you know, we had to use fluoroscope and inject dye into the knee to prove the Medicare. We were in the joint every single time. So, you know, I would do about 16 knee injections a day. So I got really good. Yeah, I got really good at that. That's all I did. And then I learned about PRP down in Orlando, which stands for platelet-rich plasma, which was kind of like a replacement um, for hyaluronic acid for, you know, Medicare will pay for hyaluronic acid for knee injections for osteoarthritis. But then what about the people that aren't Medicare age that are having knee pain, right? And I had a client, she's still my uh, client today, but I was, when I was working in primary care, she came in mild knee arthritis 
typical scenario would be go see the orthopedic doctor, right? The orthopedic doctor is going to do an x-ray and say you've got mild arthritis. We're going to give you a steroid shot and send you on your way. Well, then they would come back to me and they were like, well, that steroid shot lasted about four weeks and now I'm back in pain again. What should I do? Well, let's send you to physical therapy, you know, and there just wasn't really any good options for people. In my opinion, they were sort of caught in the gap. So when I learned about PRP, I'm like, well, that's something as a nurse I can do. I can draw blood. I can spin it. I used to spin blood when I did uh, research. And so I can spin it, concentrate those platelets, and we can inject, inject them back into the knee to stimulate natural healing. And so I decided to set up this whole program within the chiropractor's office. I've got the, the centrifuge. I got all the equipment. I did all the research. And I started treating people. And guess what? They were getting better. Um, and so I was like, "This, there's something to this. And then I learned, oh, you can use PRP for aesthetics, sexual health and wellness, you know, the biggest barrier was I just needed to learn how to inject PRP in other areas of the body, like shoulders, so hips and other things like that. So I started doing a lot of training. That's really what started the whole process. There's a book that really pushed me, I think, and convinced me that I can do this. And it's called Jen Sincero. It's written by Jen Sincero. It's called You're a Badass. All right. <laughs> Have you read that book? No, I've seen it. It's hysterical. Everybody should read it. It's just so funny. She's a really great author, but she really kind of, you just sometimes have to just bite the bullet and do it. You know, you might fail. I think, I don't know, it's one in four, one in five businesses do fail. So you kind of got to have to think, okay, how much can I afford to invest in trying to see if this would work? Yeah, my brother-in-law, I asked him for a loan which he gave me. And that's how we got started. Wow. A vision, a vision and a little bit of funding, which I ended up having to take <laughs> some of my retirement money out and things like that. But, you know, it, it's definitely a risk. It's definitely a gamble. It's definitely very scary. But you, I mean, you could have just stayed at the chiropractor. So why did you leave him? Uh, I could see that business going downhill quickly. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, I knew that that business was not viable. I don't know. I didn't know at the time much about running a business, but I do know you need to pay your employees and you need to pay your bills. <laughs> and you need to business show up. Business 101. <laughs> yeah. And you need to show up to work. Like this yeah. chiropractor would call midday and say, I'm not coming back. Cancel all my patients. <laughs> like, oh, my God. That? So yeah. I could just see that this, this business was not going to be around long. And I was right. Within a year, they had shut their doors. So, yeah, I, I was like, well, I can do better than that. And then uh, I've always hired business coaches because I don't have a business background. I am more what you would call the visionary. So, you know, in business, you have different levels of, of hierarchy, right? And and usually the person that starts the business is the one with the ideas. And I've always kind of been like that. I, I actually invented a band-aid when I was working for that most skin and cancer clinic, I invented the band-aid with polysporin in it. So, I mean, I'm an idea person and I took it to a patent lawyer and he said, there's no way you can patent that. But guess what? Johnson and Johnson came out with that band-aid within a year. So, you know, probably they stole my idea, but whatever, <laughs> you know, 
I'm not saying that's for sure, but I love to think outside the box. So if you're not really programmed like that, then, you know, it's going to be hard for you. So I like to come up with the ideas. And then now I've been able to hire somebody in that's called the integrator. The integrator is really the person below the visionary or the owner of the business that helps implement the ideas. And so those, that person, you know, kind of pulls the reins back on me because I'm like, I want to do everything, right? But working with business coaches over the years, you really, you really have to learn about what is your profit margin on everything that you do, you know, and I hate to say that, but you've got to run it like a business. And, and so we just focus on the highest profit margin items. Like I can do IV therapy, nutrition therapy, but I only make maybe a hundred dollars after off that IV for like an hour's worth of time or an hour and a half. So to me, that's not a high enough profit margin when I can do a $3,500 joint injection using amniotic products, you know, and maybe my cost is around, you know, a grand or less. So, you know, which would you rather do an IV that takes an hour and a half or a joint injection that takes me 30 minutes or hour and a half, depending on what I'm doing. So that's kind of where we have navigated. Um, and then, you know, we brought in Botox and aesthetics because people know what Botox is. A lot of people don't know what PRP is and how it can help them. So I think you have to think about bringing in stuff that people know. I call yeah. it sort of the gateway drug because... because people know what that is so it was easy to advertise and so we would get clients in for Botox and then I would talk to them about the PRP microneedling facial and so we charged 600 for that yeah, I actually went down that rabbit hole. It's a, it's a scam. No, I'm I'm teasing. But um, so I went in for Botox, and then I started learning about all these other medical spa procedures. I had no idea what they were beforehand. And you know, for like a year, I was going one thing after another after another, and and I loved actually it was it was wonderful, and and the results were wonderful that they did. But it was like I never would have gone into that med spa for. BBL or whatever it's called, you know, like just uh, stuff that they had. But the girl just kept recommending things. I'm like, okay. (laughs) And I I think if you believe in it, you know, it it all makes sense. You know, filler is a pretty good moneymaker for us too. And so I've since hired a nurse practitioner and I'm training her to do aesthetics. So, you know, it's an investment, but hopefully she'll stay with us long term. We do have a non-compete in place because unfortunately that's what happens a lot of times is you train them up, spend all that money and then they, they leave you. So let's try to start their own business. But again, a lot of times they don't know all the stuff that's involved, you know, all the malpractice that I have to pay, payroll and everything else. And, you know, cost of goods. Yeah. yeah. I I think that's one of the bigger problems in business because, uh, you know, especially with like IV therapy or something, because people will sit there and say, oh, they're charging $250 for this IV. And then they start calculating if I do 10 a day, that's 2,500. If I do, you know, like 30 a month, that's, um, I don't know, $40,000 a month. But it's like, they don't calculate in all the expenses, the overhead. How did you get those people in the first place of marketing the extra labor? So yeah, like to your point that, that you have to factor in profit margin and what's worth doing and 
sometimes you advertise things that maybe it could be a loss leader, like, you know, maybe Botox isn't a big profit margin, but people recognize it, then they come in. So then you can offer other options. Absolutely. So from there, we started offering um, hormone management. So we're doing the bioidentical pellet therapy. And honestly, between that got us through COVID because it was medically necessary. People had to come every three months for the hormones. I'm like, we can't have a pandemic and people, you know, not on their hormones. <laughs> we will we we'll have like chaos in the country. So I was really happy to have that. And I would say right now, our number one moneymaker is still aesthetics. Our number two moneymaker is hormone management. I do men and women. But I don't do any creams or trochies or pills, patches. They ask me all the time. And I said, I just don't have the time and the availability to offer those other things. And plus, they don't work as well, which is true. And I said, so I just offer here what I think works the best. You know, if you want those other things, then you can go somewhere else. But again, it's a time sucker. You know, you got to do labs all the time. You're always changing their dosage. Very high maintenance area. With the pellets, you know, I dose them. I do check labs. They're good. They're feeling great. Boom. They're on their set dose. I don't have to keep making adjustments. And they just come in routinely for this office procedure. So that is really a, you need to have in business, in my opinion, these steady money makers like Botox and hormones to keep you paying the rent, paying your employees, the base expenses, right? And then really the profit comes from, in my opinion, offering these natural joint treatments. So we use PRP. We're also using some amniotic products, doing some of it IV, which is kind of cool. Looking at treating COPD, long haulers. We just added in what's called NAD infusion, which they're using for long haulers and memory and aging. So, you know, I think again, when you have a business, it has to make sense. It has to all go back to whatever your mission is. It's very easy to get off on tangents. And so if you really want to make the most money and be the most profitable, treat 10 patients with the highest profit margin versus 20 or 30 patients with a low profit margin. And that's Mm -hmm. unfortunately what primary care doctors are suffering from right now is they're having to see 20 or 30 patients because they're only getting reimbursed, maybe a hundred bucks a patient where they maybe used to get more. I'm just guessing. I don't know what the numbers are, but I do know that they're just having to see more and more patients because they're making less and less off each patient. So I like the idea of working smarter, not harder. I still work really hard, but I would say I'm split because I'm the CEO and the practitioner. So we are working at trying to phase me, not out of the practitioner role, but freeing me up to be able to do more community talks to educate the community on these type of treatments because it's new. And people aren't aware of it. And a lot of people come to me, they're like, won't you do my primary care? Can I just transfer all my care to you? And I said, unfortunately, you know, I, again, I just, we are specialized in being your age management specialist. And that, you know, really needs to, you need to still keep a primary care doctor because again, that you, then you start getting sucked into treating blood pressure and cholesterol. Mm -hmm. And again, what's the profit margin on that? 
So you really need to stick in your lane, whatever the lane is for business, you stick in that lane and you just have to try to stand firm. Right. Not everybody's going to like it. But. Yeah, but I mean, yeah, I mean, we go to different doctors for different reasons or different providers. I mean, I don't ask my ophthalmologist to, you know, do my GYN exam. You know, it's like that he's specialized or she specialized. And, you know, if you're age management, that's what you are. And yeah, it's, it's very tempting to go off on tangents, like you said. And, uh, you know, even when I look at your services, you do actually have a wide range of services. They're all focused under that idea of age management, which I, I love that term. It's, <laughs> I'm going to steal that from you, but. Um, <laughs> well, I heard there's no such thing as anti-aging, right? We're, we're always <laughs> in the aging process. So yeah. age management makes more sense. I think uh, uh, I'm going to say you, you coined that term for me. So yeah, the age management, that this all comes under the umbrella. You have aesthetics, orthopedic services, hormone services, enhancements, replacements. So I would say dot physicals would be the only thing that seems Yeah, that's like- coming off. That's old. Oh. Um, I had a nurse, yeah, I had a nurse practitioner that was DOT certified and we had thought, well, maybe that would bring in some some additional clients for hormones and things like that. So we're actually, uh, we just signed up to revamp the whole website. It's about oh, wow. a $10,000 project. Yep. Uh, changing everything on it. Because my love is orthopedics. Like I just came back from a spine and nerve training uh, in Minnesota. Yes, I was there during the, the winter storm. You know, I was the only female nurse practitioner there. Uh, I worked alongside, you know, DOs and naturopaths and MDs. And my daughter went with me and she was like so proud of me. She's like, mom was killing it. She was, you know, in there injecting the L4, L5, spinous processes. And, you know, it was great. And I just think just keep, keep educating, keep, keep learning, keep. That was one of the things I noticed too with the other doctors I worked with in the past. They don't always go to continuing education. Like they'll just do it online, but you got to go to meetings. You got to learn what's new. We just added in a focus shockwave, which is, it's such an easy thing to do to get somebody out of pain. It takes eight minutes and they walk in with 10 out of 10 pain and they walk out with none. You know, and we're all crying and hugging and, you know, I mean, it's like we all are celebrating these successes that are just coming to us naturally because these people are willing to pay out of pocket to get out of pain. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we're trying to revamp the website to show that we are leaders in orthopedic orthopedic and pain management. I just learned about low dose naltrexone for pain management. So I, I, I like, I have so many good ideas and knowledge of how I want to implement things, but again, it's resources. It's been really difficult lately to hire staff. So I have hired and fired quite a bit recently just because trying the to find the right, yeah, the right fit. But I, I think right now it's taken two years, but I think right now we have a really rock solid team of five of us, two nurse practitioners, my daughter, who is a rock star and now working full time. And then I have uh, two front full time staff, an office manager and then a front office assistant. And I think if you have really good quality employees, I contract out my CFO services. So I have a CFO that I meet with at least monthly that helps me make financial decisions. He's looking at our books constantly, our profit loss. We use QuickBooks online. You have to have a really good accountant. 
a really good uh, CPA. You know, I just got, oh, I just had to fire my CPA of a couple of years just because he was late filing and I was getting a penalty. And, you know, I just don't, unfortunately, I just had to let go of one of our marketing people just because, you know, it's got to make sense to me. If it's not bringing us in additional revenue too, then you don't really need to be on our team. But I do have somebody that does all our social media. Yep, that's a big one. Somebody to do our social media. So I outsource everything. I mean, that's a good way to do things, I think, in my opinion. I've had business coaches since day one. We do weekly staff meetings that my office manager runs. And then we do um, quarterly. And we also do annual so I think we're always trying to look how to improve. We sent out a client survey. I think we got over 300 responses back. You know, some of the biggest things were running on time, which is something I try to do. But when we were limited staff, you know, it was just me. You know, I could say, okay, you can't come in today, but then you're not going to like that either. Yeah. So, yeah, that was a little tough navigating, but it's good. You know, so now I bought an Apple Watch. And they're going to text me and, hey, your next one's in the room, uh, trying to keep me on time because it's really easy as nurses to, you know, just want to spend the whole day with that new client and teach them everything you do and learn about them. And, but, you know, I'm a talker, as you can tell. So, uh, you know, <laughs> I have to cut it off at some point. But I think being passionate about what you do is probably the most important thing, no matter what it is, if you're a nurse, yeah. nurse practitioner, PA. Being yeah. passionate and following I, your passion. I think that's the the one thing that uh, we always tell our nurses, um, you know, because they're like, I don't like selling. I don't like marketing. I'm like, really? You know, selling is just education with passion. You know, it's just being passionate about what you're talking about and getting excited about it. And, you know, just you're, you're solving problems for people. Like, how is that not exciting? And people don't expect you to do this stuff for free, they would they would feel very awkward if you were doing all this stuff for them for free. People want to pay for the service and it's expected that they're going to pay. Um, I mean, there's always, you know, we all want stuff for free, but if somebody were doing stuff for you, you'd want to pay for it. Like, it's just that you had that strong reciprocity to, to uh, want to do something for them as well. So, you know, to me, selling is just being really, really excited about the solution that you have. I agree. And I think as nurses, we do tend to pay ourselves less or think we're, it's not that we think that we're less, but we don't charge what doctors charge typically. I mean, I charge 3500 for a joint injection. If you go anywhere in the country for the same treatment, you know, you're going to pay five grand at least. So um, that's the amniotic products that I'm talking about. But, you know, valuing your services, I think that's something that's a hard hurdle for us to get over as nurses is that we we are worth it. We've done the training. We have the education. And so try not to, what we're trying to do in my practice is not let me talk about pricing. They're always trying to say, hey, can I buy two and get one free? You know, they always are trying to work a deal with me in the room. And now I've just learned to say, you know what? I don't really handle the money aspect of anything. You need to talk to my office manager, Kelly. And that has been a blessing for yep. me because. I'm like, okay, sure. You know, I, I'm very soft, you know, and I just give in and then Kelly gets mad at me. What? 
<laughs> I, have the, I have the same exact problem. And I had that, and you know, the system that you, or the, uh, yeah, the system you've been talking about sounds like EOS. I'm assuming that's what you work in. Yes, yes, and, yes. Yeah, I've had the same problem because I have an integrator as well. And uh, one of the problems I had was working with contractors. They all want special circumstances and special payments and special this and special that. And every time I'm like, yeah, 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 yeah. And, you know, finally, you know, with, with Mara, who's my integrator on board, she's like, from now on, you just tell them to come to me. And, you know, she has put everything literally in line for me. And, and just recently I had a contractor who was like, wanted special whatever. And I'm like, you got to talk to Mara. And she's like, well, I contracted with you. And I'm like, well, I contracted with Mara. So you need to go talk to Mara. And I could just like, it was such a huge relief. Like, you know, I was just like, oh my God, like, yes, thank you. Like, this is exactly what I needed. I needed somebody, you know, that it, you know, she was detached from, you know, kind of the, the, the money aspect of it. And, you know, she's just very straightforward and this is how it is. And either you're on board or you're not on board. Whereas like, I'm like you, I'll bend over backwards. So everybody's happy. And, you know, it's not a great business uh, sense. Yeah. I think too, getting that front staff to sort of uh, screen patients. And when, and this is true of any business, when you start your business, I don't know if it was like this for you, but You'll take anything that will walk in the door that'll pay something, you know, um, they want to turn anybody away. But then we got some really bad, you know, clients that just weren't good fits for us, you know, in unrealistic expectations or whatever. I try to tell people, you know, that we can never guarantee success with these treatments, but this is what I've noticed and what I've experienced. But yeah, I think that now we're kind of five and a half years in to the business and if the staff isn't sure if that's something that I want to treat, then, you know, they'll, they'll take a message and get back to that client. But yeah, cause they're having, you know, they're calling now about all kinds of stuff. Somebody wanted me to fix his hernia or something like that. <laughs> like, I don't do that work, you know? Um, so. yeah. I, I had that problem with my sales team because they really wanted to sell like everybody that comes in, they want to sell something to. And I'm like, you guys, I don't offer what you're selling <laughs> so you have to stop like and i'm not bending over backwards to sell what you're trying to sell because uh you know it's it's just it's a lot of work and then i have you know we have to onboard those people and then we have to fulfill on what you've sold and, and we don't even have the processes set up so you know we had to put a kibosh on that but it was yeah it was really just like because people ask you for all kinds of things and then they want to customize everything you have and i'll take this but not that this not that let's add this and we'll morph that and you're just like oh Oh my God, like <laughs> it's too much. Yeah. I think staying lean too, you know, that that's something we've done the whole process is, you know, it was just started out with two employees, you know, it, we could have hired more, but you know, we went very cautiously with each step of adding new expenses um, and buying new equipment. And luckily we did get some loan money during COVID and that really did help us a lot. Um, we were able to move and expand and hire new employees without that concern of uh, getting in the red. So it really did only help boost us, even though it was kind of scary to to expand during the pandemic. We went from like 1,100 square feet to 2,600 square feet, brand new building. We still rent, but I think that's that's another thing to be always reminding yourself as a business owner is, you know, cutting out the fluff, you know, stay lean as much as possible so you can hang on to as much profit 
one mistake I made last year, I guess it was 2021, is we made a lot of money. Uh, I think we increased our profit margin by 12% or something. And But it was because I was doing all the work and I wasn't paying myself. So our payroll went down, our profit went up, which actually kind of hurt us. If I had put that money towards payroll, then our profit wouldn't have been so big and and therefore I wouldn't have to pay as much taxes. Do you see what I'm saying? Like yeah. I kind of shot myself in the foot thinking, oh, you know, I don't want to hire more help. And then, you know, working 60 hours a week is just not sustainable either. Yeah, no, that's painful. Yeah, we're on a cash accrual basis, so um, which it was somewhat problematic this past year because we had a, a high ticket offer. And but the problem is is that the money is paid over time. So when December came, I was sitting on you know a lot of money, and it was just kind of like, oh my god, I'm going to get seriously taxed on this. Just you know because it's cash, you know the the cash basis as you know. So the tax people don't recognize that that money is actually slated to pay people you know in a, in a month or two from now, which would be January, February. So I had to spend the money down on other things to avoid you know, taxes. And then now January, February comes around and I'm like scrambling because that money's gone because I didn't want to pay tax. So it's just, yeah, it's painful. And a lot of things that you just don't think about, you know, and and that was, that was one of them. So. All right, Wendy. So uh, let me ask you this uh, to to wrap up, you know, what do you have like a, are you happy with where you are in what you're doing? Are you looking to expand a franchise or you know, even reduce what you're doing, uh, where are you in the, this spectrum? Yeah, I would say I'm still pretty heavily in the business doing um, a lot of the visionary work and overseeing staff in the whole practice. So that's like a whole piece. So I want to basically focus just on orthopedics. So right now I still am pretty much in charge of the whole hormone program. 150 patients, uh, which is a lot when you have mammograms and labs to review. And we were adding probably at least two new patients a week. So that program is just continuing to grow naturally. So, and then aesthetics, like I said, I'm trying to get my nurse practitioner to take over all of that. So to get Botox with me, it's $16 a unit. To get Botox with Lily, it's 14 So most people are starting to transition over. If they really want me, then that's fine. They can pay the 16 a unit, but I really don't want to be spending my time doing Botox and hormone treatments. Um, so I think my daughter is an RN. She can actually do the actual hormone treatments, which is a little office procedure. So I can still oversee the program, but yeah, joints is where I want to be. So maybe working uh, about 40%, 50% in day-to-day clinical work, and then hopefully the other 50% running the business. Yeah, my goal right now is to be able to take two or three days off and not be harassed <laughs> by everybody. Yeah, my uh, my CFO just told me it costs us fifteen hundred dollars a day every time I take off. Oh well. <laughs> yeah, I, I just came back from two trips, so you know our cash flow went way down, and I freaked out and I called him, and he says, "Well, you just you know you have to prepare." So the, having another nurse practitioner or a provider in the business that can make money when you're gone is ideal. Yeah, absolutely. All right, Wendy, well, this was fascinating. Thank you so much for sharing your story with us. Where can people go if they want to find out more about what you do and even if they want to sign up for your services? Yeah, I would check out our website. I mean, it's still up and running until we switch it over. I think it's still really good, you know, when you look at it, PRP. 
R-E-G-E-N.com, P-R-P-Regen.com. My email is Wendy, W-E-N-D-Y, at P-R-P-R-E-G-E-N.com. And the office phone number is 352-260-4061. Awesome. Thanks so much. Well, thank you so much. Have a wonderful day. This is Katie Harris saying thanks for listening. Remember, if you're a nurse who is ready to start this type of business that you heard about here today on this podcast or any other idea that is burning a fire inside of you, let's talk it out. Click the link inside the show notes to schedule your private discovery call with my team. No sales. This call is just to determine what your idea is and if we can help. Until next time, keep making your impact, nursepreneurs.